Welcome to Parse, the official podcast of the Elahe Omidyar, Mir Jalali Institute of Iranian Studies at the University of Toronto. In Persian, Parse means strolling or wandering around as an observer of contemporary life and modernity. In a similar spirit, our podcast Parse aims to take our listeners on an intellectual stroll in the field of Iranian studies, where they can listen to different ideas from leading thinkers, academics, activists, and authors in the discipline. Our podcast will provide thought-provoking excerpts from lectures and seminars organized by the Iranian Studies Institute at U of T to make the extensive work we do with our partners more accessible to academics and non-academics alike across Canada and beyond. The 13th episode of Parse is an excerpt from a presentation given by Dr. Anne Demi Garot on how Iran became a cinematic hotspot in the 1990s and onwards and how Iranian films became an indispensable part of many international film festivals. Demi Garot's presentation is based on her experience as a festival director and focuses on tracing a politically contextualized history of the reception of Iranian cinema in the West from 2000 to 2013, and will also briefly examine the response from the Iranian government. Demi Garot teaches on Pacific Asian cinema at Griffith University in Australia. She was the inaugural director of the Brisbane International Film Festival from 1991 to 2010, and co-director of the Iranian Film Festival Australia from 2010 to 2017. She has a PhD on Iranian cinema and is the author of the book Iranian National Cinema, The Interaction of Policy, Genre, Funding and Reception, published in 2020. a cinematic hotspot on the international festival circuit from the mid-1990s, strongly evidenced by its exhibition and awards history. And by the late 1990s, Richard Tapper had noted that no respectable festival could be without at least one film from Iran, and I know from personal experience. In 2000, the Iranian film industry was showered with the golden cameras, leopards and lions of Khan, Alakano, Venice, and this was a kind of a spring resulting from the new freedoms for culture, and that it was possible for filmmakers to conceive of making films for an international market was a result of the new arts policy introduced under Hatami's reformist government elected in 1997. It prompted Hamid Dabashi's witty comment, or I think it's very witty, for reasons that have nothing to do with the dawn of the third millennium because Iran follows its own version of the Islamic calendar. The year 2000 marks a spectacular achievement for Iranian cinema. 2000 also witnessed the first prominent use of the term the new Iranian cinema to describe, first prominent use of the term to describe uh, a series of film screenings and a concurrent conference in London and the associated seminal book of the conference papers published two years later in 2002. But there was already a dark cloud looming. In April 2000, the Minister of Culture and Islamic Guidance resigned after a failed uh, impeachment attempt against him, suggesting that Dabashi's earlier prediction that Iranian cinema was a, at a critical juncture with an exciting, engaged future following the death of ideology, as all quotes. Nonetheless, from around 2000, filmmakers began to perceive that if their work did not conform to the regulations for the Iranian domestic market, the international market alone could be a viable destination. So intertwining further cultural and political markers, I'll overview the reception of Iranian cinema through international festivals. 
I'll focus on the big A festivals that Iranian sales agents and, and filmmakers premiered as launch pads at the time, and the use of the International Film Festival of Rotterdam as the key case study of a major festival for the general public. Now, before proceeding further, I'd just like to mention here my field experience, which does inform all my work. Aside from regular attendance at the festivals I've just mentioned, from 2002 until last year, thanks to COVID, I was in Tehran at Vargin annually. Now, I'm really aware that this leads some to think that I must be a spy and others to think that I've swallowed the IRI party line. I feel really privileged to have been informed by many industry figures, including those on screen here. And on another note, a lot of facts here, a lot of facts that probably a lot of you already know, little explicit analysis. I hope that the way I've constructed it, it's implicit. And I've tried to list many films on screen rather than actually saying them. The level of on-screen political engagement among the newer generation of filmmakers after 2000, using either allegory or a more realistic mode, increased exponentially as filmmakers pushed boundaries. And undoubtedly, this calculated risk-taking and social and political engagement was an important factor in making the cinema appealing to the international market. The large market and industry oriented A festivals I've already mentioned have always embraced isolated examples of Iranian cinema, but it's traditionally the work of the smaller festivals to do the groundwork, locating promising new areas and giving context to national cinemas. The September 11 attacks in 2001 further boosted festival interest in Iranian cinema because it was the most interesting national cinema in what was suddenly a topical reason. And the festival which showed to my mind the largest and most enduring commitment to Iranian cinema over the period is the International Film Festival of Rotterdam. Its importance in promoting um, in, in promoting Iranian cinema internationally is quite a lot larger than it might appear. According to its 2012 website, Rotterdam was the, one of the largest audience-driven festivals in the world. And so I guess what we're looking at here is this trickle-down effect. The festival's reputation for quality program assures that a huge number of other festival directors from around the globe attend, making it a very valuable source. Panahi once called it a, a souk. A look at Rotterdam's Iranian context in the 2002 festival, just four months after the September 11 attacks, demonstrates its serious political engagement. The co-directors, Simon Field and Sandra de Hammer, wrote in the introduction to the catalogue, um, amongst other things, in early 2002, we're presenting the festival in a world that has been rocked by September 11 and subsequent events. And they talked then about the urgent need for a politically, a socially responsible cinema and a new political cinema. And an unprecedented nine Iranian films were integrated across the various sections of the program that year. What is it that the festival audience wants from a non-Western film? The provenance of films and their context of production of secondary interest to the traditional festival audience. Kiristami as an auteur could and did make a film in Italy or Japan for cinephiles. But for the newer festival audience, I'd suggest a parallel with travel. In writing about the tourist gaze, John Uri suggests that places are chosen to be gazed upon because there is anticipation of intense 
pleasures constructed through a variety of non-tourist practices such as film, which construct and reinforce that gaze. The festival film in many cases, I'd argue, also sat satisfies that gaze as an armchair substitute, as Australia's long-running SBS, Special Broadcasting Service slogan, bringing the world back home, encapsulates. That festivals also recognise this and deliberately seek the connection is indicated by the kinds of taglines or publicities that they, um, the publicity that they adopt. And I believe from years of discussions with my festival patrons that many Western viewers expect from such films an alternative um, perspective or truth. Films are seen as direct sources of information about countries unmediated by Western or indeed any media, and they're therefore regarded as more accurate or more evocative. The filmmaker's eye is seen as a superior substitute for the tourist's own eye, one that gives a more vivid and or accurate account of historical or current events. Rose Issa and Mirnaz Saeed Vafa have both noted this in relation to Iranian cinema. I'll let you just read that. I cited Tapper earlier and the paradox between the Western perception of Iran as backward and its maltreatment of artists uh, with Iran's production of world cinema. He continued that this apparent paradox at least partly explains the recent international fascination with Iranian cinema. And I believe that, in 2000, that this observation from back in 2002 still holds true today. Nafizi describes Iranian cinema as counter-hegemonic politically, innovative stylistically, and ethnographically exotic. Novelty or exoticism is a factor in the appearance of any hotspot. Laura Mulvey acknowledged as much in 2002 when discussing the popularity of Iranian cinema in the West. Uh, concluding that the exotic alone cannot sustain a new wave. A very important point, I think. In considering the international appeal of Iranian cinema, we need to remember that what's under discussion is just a percentage of the national cinema, coinciding largely, a small percentage, uh, coinciding largely, although not entirely, with that small proportion of the Iranian national cinema labelled the new Iranian cinema by Tapa, art cinema under the Islamic Republic by Nafizi, and what a Western festival director might describe in a positive sense as a festival film. So in 2001, when Iranian cinema was considered not merely a distinctive cinema, a national cinema, but as one of the most innovative and exciting in the world, that's a quote, Tapper perceived its appeal in terms of neorealism and reflexivity, uh, focus on children and difficulties with the portrayal of women, and by contrast to Hollywood blockbusters shoestring budgets, the use of amateur actors shot on location, strikingly simple, local, small-scale themes, totally apolitical or highly ambiguous, and open to interpretation as being politically and socially critical. The landscapes changed significantly between 2000 and 2013. All national cinemas are dynamic, subject to trends and changes in audience taste, but Iranian cinemas also subject to changing government policy and regulation, which as we all know, can be very determining. Thank you for listening to this episode of Parse. Your support is invaluable to us. To like, share, or listen to our latest episodes, please head to our pages on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you listen to your podcasts. To watch the complete seminars, please head to the Elaheo Midyar Mujalali Institute 
for Iranian Studies website and YouTube page, which are linked in the description. See you again on our next episode.